Hands off parenting. It's just hands off parenting. Put that down. Don't touch that. Stop it. Well, this is going to be great. We're good. We're so we're good. rolling. We're rolling. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm Steph. And welcome to Hands Off Parents. How's your uh, How's your week going? I feel like I haven't seen you in a year. It's, it's been only like four been days. four days, <laughs> but I love you and I miss you. I do too. We've been working hard on a new episode of Garbage Island. Not to wait for it. And uh, and it opens the 23rd? 23rd. Yeah, September 23rd. Yes. Abby Koenig. Playwright extraordinaire and children's sketch comedy that, strikes again. But yes, it'll be very exciting. I will say, yeah. uh, this is the first week of school. Oh, so that's, oh yeah. That. Did you know that? I did. Did you forget that? No, because we came back. You did because it wasn't the first week for you. Abby's children went to school through the hurricane. But karate was canceled. And I was like, uh, are you going to make that up? And she was like, no, there was a hurricane. You just said to me that karate was canceled. Yeah. Really? That was hard for you? <laughs> I had to have my kid out of school for two weeks. But thank you. Really hard. Check your privilege. <laughs> really hard. Um, yeah. We started a new school this week. Um, Iris is in the public school now. The public school. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, it's a really big school. school. It's pre-K three through eighth grade. And it's this amazing Montessori school but man that first day i cried she did not she I was did. good she was a champion she enjoying it she seems to be enjoying it she will not offer up any information i'm like what did you do at school yeah. what did you do at school what did you do at school are they tying you up what what's <laughs> happening nothing no details so maybe that'll change at some point yeah maybe our guests can speak to that can speak to that's that. a nice segue thank you um, we have two amazing guests today who yes. coincidentally are parents at my kid's new school. Uh, but that's not why we're having them. We're having them because they are awesome in their own ways. Jay and Joe Bostick are here with us today. Welcome, guys. Thank Hi. you for having us. Hi. <laughs> uh, Jay is an accountant and Joe works in luxury retail. That sounded like a very like, um, ne- come on down. <laughs> <laughs> I intended it to. Oh, good. I'm just so proud of you guys. Like, Aww, I just feel you. like you're, you're doing great and you have these great careers. And what's that like? How's that feel to be successful? I don't know. Stressful when you have two kids. I mean, you know, you start to sort of regret your success a little bit because you start feeling, um, Guilty. What's the guilty? Guilty, exactly, because you're spending so much time at work. But um, I think after um, four years of being parents, um, we figured it out. We figured it out how to have that balance. It's it's, um, it's as much as anyone one. can as figure much as it out. Can. And I know that balance is different for everybody. But and so tough. both of y'all work full time. Yes. Yeah. And we don't have a nanny. And you right. <laughs> <laughs> I just I want to throw that. that in there. And we don't have a nanny. Hashtag no one in this room has a nanny. <laughs> yeah. So can we all get some sort of award? I, I think so. We deserve it. We all deserve a high five. Um, so tell us about your two kids, your boys. You have two boys. How old are they? Um, we have two sons, JJ and Tyler. One is six, almost seven, and one just turned seven. So they're very close in age, same grade, first grade. And one uh, we have fully adopted from the foster care system, Tyler. The other one is actually our foster child, and we are, I think, a month out from adopting. That's we should great. be able to consummate it and uh, be done. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Is, is that a stressful time? Yeah. Like, I'm just ready. You know, four years of fostering, we fostered six children in four years. And so I'm just kind of ready to not have CPS visiting our house every other week and inspecting our fridge to make sure that I've put everything in the Tupperware correctly. So they're, they are that, cause I have been reading a lot about CPS and especially I just was reading with the hurricane and all these displaced kids and I was just heartbroken. And, but we've heard 
and we had a guest on that had some not positive things to say about CVS and I've read a lot of non-positive. Downright negative. Yeah, yeah. downright negative. Not positive. So have you guys, I'm surprised to hear that, that they're, they're that meticulous about food. Yeah, and they've, they've become that meticulous, um, more meticulous over the past two years. Um, they've had some policy changes that have made them more meticulous. But even before that, um, it was, it's been really tough. I mean, there was a time whenever we had five different people coming to our house every single month to mm-hmm. chat with us, talk with us, talk to the kids. And, you know, that does get overwhelming. Um, yeah. and how now do they respond to that? Like, what do you, how, the what kids, do you talk you about with the kids? Yeah. Like, well, we just make it like you're having a visitor. We're going to have mm-hmm. a visitor and it's either friends of ours. We make them friends of ours and it's just like, you know, any one of other of our friends sitting down and just having a quick conversation with them. Um, we try not to put too much emphasis on where they're from or what they're there to do because it just stresses foster children out. You yeah. know, are, you know, does this mean I'm going somewhere? So we try not to do that. We try to make it just, you know, hey, we have a friend coming over and they're going to want to chat with you for a few minutes. And they do it generally while they're playing in their room or playing video games or something. So the chat tends to go fairly quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like in those visits, it's like, you know, I remember when I was a teacher and the principal was going to come observe me. Like it just added this layer of stress where I like did all the things that I usually did normally, but I was like so aware that I was being watched Mm -hmm. and it just adds this, did you, is that your experience it, of it? It is for me. Cause here's why our son Tyler is such a jokester and has made a couple jokes that aren't that big of a deal, but I, I didn't want CPS hearing them. One of them is he missed his, his old foster mother so much. He wanted to go back to live with her. And then when they pulled him up to talk to him about it with us, he said, Oh, I was just kidding around. And I was like, honey, this is the one person we don't want you kidding around with. Like, let's just tell the truth and and be honest. And so nothing really that bad has been said or anything that would alarm me, but I just have had to really stress to them. Like, this isn't the time to be silly. Like, I really need you to take this seriously. And and it's evolved. I mean, honestly, when we first entered CPS, um, I think we probably totally Clorox the entire house before every single visit, (laughs) Um, you know, scrubbing the floors and making sure that everything looks super perfect. By organic, by Um, organic. organic and, (laughs) And, you know, the refrigerator, was just completely stocked with food and the pantry was completely stocked with food and there was nothing out of place and there would be fresh flowers on the table because right. we wanted to make the right. best possible uh, impression Like you're meeting your in-laws possibly- for the yes, first time. absolutely. Yeah. And then it's evolved. <laughs> Five years later, it's more like, okay, they're coming over. And, yeah. um, you know, it is what it is. The beds are unmade. I can't help it. You know, yeah. we've had a busy day. Um, but also, too, um, I think that Jay and I were sort of living in a dream world the first year and a half because the visits were very smooth. Um, and then we did have an incident with our first foster child that um, where the, her, her mother instructed her to lie. And uh, uh, make a false allegation. The mother made a false allegation against us. And this is, I really just have to credit this little six-year-old we had. Um, The mother knew that she was going to lose custody. And so she got desperate and called in allegations against us and the little girl's father, um, who was probably, he was going to get the child back. And eventually he did. And to this little six-year-old's credit, they came and interviewed her and the attorneys were there and everything. And she said, this story is all fake. My mom told me to lie. And I just don't feel comfortable lying. I know I'm not supposed to. And for us, it closed the case immediately. Um, But the unfortunate thing that really upset me was there was no um, ramifications for the mother. Right. It was just case closed. Right. Mm -hmm. So can we back up just Mm -hmm. like a quick, so no, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So what prompted you guys to start this whole process? Like at what point were you said, I want to, mm-hmm. we are going to start fostering? So when Jay and I met, um, it was um, one of the first things that we actually talked about as a couple that was we both wanted children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like very... Date, date one? It, it, it may have even been date one, I won't lie to you, because at this point It was in my probably life, on my online profile. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you don't want kids, don't talk to me. Right. I mean, Must love kids. So true, but you know, it was a dream My male uterus is throbbing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was a dream of mine to be a dad and it was a dream of uh, Jay's to be a dad. Um, I was, um, had, I'd never really um, been exposed to CPS and I never really did that much research on it. Um, and, um, I was very adamant that I wanted biological children and Jay had just come from living in Malawi where he was with Camp Hope. Um, uh, no, I was with, um, World Camp. World Camp. I'm so sorry. Um, and he had spent a year there um, and he came home and he was very adamant that there were tons of children in the Houston area that needed good homes and yeah. we should be going through CPS. Can you um, just take a quick, se- just a break mm-hmm. to tell us what that is? Camp, yeah. World, World Camp. So in 2008, I lost my job in the recession. I was working as an accountant in Chicago and I was, this is actually kind of a funny story, sitting on my couch, literally eating ice cream, feeling sorry for myself and a Madonna Rocky concert Red. came on. Oh my gosh. And at the end it said, if you want to get involved, go to her website, which I think was like raisingmalawi.org or something like that. And, uh, being the fangirl of Madonna that I am, I went to the website <laughs> and there was this button that said, volunteer in Malawi yeah. and I clicked it and it redirected me to world camp I told a guy that I worked with who had also lost his job I think I'm going to move to Africa and volunteer for a year and he said I'll go and so I lived in this home with 15 other teachers and we taught middle schoolers oh, life skills whoa. um you know how long disease were you prevention. there for um total said I was off work for about nine months maybe wow. so between there and South Africa But yeah, it was a life-changing experience. And while I was there, I just realized, oh my gosh, like there are so many children. There are 12-year-olds in Malawi raising three and four siblings because they've lost both their parents to AIDS. Mm. And, you know, when I was there, I think the HIV rate was there was one in seven. Oh my God. And so when I came back, I said, I just don't feel comfortable for me to each his own, but I don't want to have a biological child. I want to adopt a kid that needs a home. Yeah. Okay, so Madonna really did change your life. <laughs> she did. And, you know, I looked for her when I was there. I never bumped into her. Was she there? Kept, you know, supposedly in and out, building her orphanage and adopting her children. As she and, does. As yeah. she does. But that's so, oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that makes me, like, when those that sliding doors thing, yeah. what if you would not have been on the couch that day right. watching What if Madonna? I had not lost my job? What? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean then you wouldn't probably have the children that you have. Exactly. It's such a Mm -hmm. cool thing when you Mm -hmm. track it that way. Yeah. Okay. So that was an experience you had. You're like, I want these biological babies. You're Mm -hmm. like, absolutely no way. And then what? And so Jay, Jay just convinced me. Um, he really just, he really did convince me and then it made sense to me. And I was, um, apprehensive and I was certainly more nervous than Jay was about the whole thing. Um, and we went to our first CPS training and, um, and this was what year? This is 2013. 2013. Okay. We went to our first training with CPS and from then on out, it's been, uh, you know, all the nerves and butterflies went away obviously the first after the first few minutes of walking in the door mm-hmm. but we went through um their training program which is i mean gosh the stories i could probably tell you from that that are hysterical but um um and it's we, basically like hey feed your kid every eight hours you know? <laughs> i mean i don't you wish somebody would have given us that parenting <laughs> training kind of. like what? i didn't know that oh, you're supposed to hours? feed them every eight hours yes, oh exactly. shit that's yeah. why they're lying on the floor crying that's crazy <laughs> oh so 
Um, my favorite my favorite story is from, um, and I won't tell the whole story, but I will tell you my favorite story is from uh, the tenth meeting. They talk about the tenth class from day one. They're like, "Oh, the, you just wait till the tenth class," <laughs> and you get in the classroom, and the whole thing is about desensitizing you to what foster children are going to say when they come into your home because these foster kids have heard everything. Yeah, and so you spend a whole class becoming okay saying things like cock <laughs> pussy Joe. i mean you, you you'd literally spend the whole class like they like, just make you run well, through well, like she puts, repeat they, she puts yeah, the word they write them on, on the board, board. and, she and then the they word. make you read yeah. them out loud and you just have to read them out loud and you go around the room taking turns saying these words <laughs> there's other people yeah. oh yeah you, like and strangers and, we've, we, and you learn new words like you know they're like she puts vagina up there and then this one guy and this one woman in the classroom stands up she's like axe wound axe wound axe wound <laughs> and we're like what is going on and by the way she never talked before then so the fact that she was talking I was like this is <laughs> what is going on right now you said to be free verbally <laughs> I would be like, and you would have put it like a check around yeah. your name. So this you is imagine, the most incredible yeah. story I've ever <laughs> heard. So you I'm walk out of it. it. Yeah. You walk out of the classroom and you're just thinking to yourself. You're desensitized. You're, you're totally desensitized. And, you're, and, you know, but they get you ready for the kids. Kids, kids just, they use every word in, in the book to describe yeah. their bodies or their situation. Yeah. And they don't see anything wrong with it because they were never taught that, That's you know, right. you should maybe not use those words until you're an adult. Yeah. So yeah. did your foster children use those words? Did they say axe wound upon entry? Of, we, had, we had one of our children that did use inappropriate language for his age, um, but it was just one. We've never, how old was he? He was, he was four and it was our first day and he instantly gravitated to Joe, but for the first month he probably called me, Hey you. And so he was in the bathroom and he yells from the bathroom, Hey you. Come wipe my ass. <laughs> hey, you, come wipe my ass. <laughs> oh, my God. You had like this 60-year-old Jewish man <laughs> yes, exactly. in a four-year-old body. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so um, was that something where, because we had, when Dennis was on, we talked about expectations. And he said that's been the hardest thing about this process is that I was this big old queen and I had all, I wanted to do my yeah. first Christmas and, and the, the kid ruined it for me. Yeah. I, I had my decorations and my this, and he wouldn't participate in the way I needed him to yeah. participate because he had never been shown that before. The, yeah. m- the hardest thing for me is that at least in the beginning, you're never going to be number one. Their parents, no matter what they've done to them or what they've been through, their parents are on that pedestal. They love their yes. parents. Even if they haven't really lived with them, they've, they've built them up to be this thing in their head. And I remember one of the very first time we had a, a, our daughter, our first foster daughter, and she got uh, a stomach bug and she was throwing up and she was crying while she was throwing up. And she looked at me and she said, I just want my mom. Yeah. I just want my mom. And I thought, but I, I'm here. I'm doing everything for you and I'm holding your hair and I, I'm, I'm getting a warm cloth. Like, you know, what am I doing wrong? And I've just had to learn with our kids at least until – six months in you just aren't number one and you're not going to be number one yeah and you have to not make that about you exactly and i can totally echo that i mean i we haven't had the christmas yet of our dreams right Mm -hmm. we've not had that yet but it's going to take a few years because last year was tyler's first year just being inundated and loved and given just everything under the sun that he could possibly ever want and it was overwhelming for him yeah i mean how did he react to that like any like you're paralyzed it's almost like they're paralyzed with fear they don't even know what to open first yeah um and they don't get that it's all for them and this this day is for them. he had to take a nap after opening presents because he was so like exhausted exhausted because he'd never been never Mm -hmm. given gifts like that no and and i have no doubt that um our other son 
JJ, well, this will be his first year like that and it will be overwhelming for him. So it's going to take a few more years before they get into the habit of, and that expectation that like, this is, this day is for me. Right. We're having the family Christmas. We're going to wear sweaters. We're going to take a fucking picture. We do. Yeah. You know, the embroidered pajamas we had, we were ready to go. Oh yeah. And it was just such a letdown (laughs) and it's emotionally such a letdown for us. I mean, Jay even took a nap, you know, right after we opened last year because emotionally it was just so stressful for us. Well, and you probably want to make it even more perfect. Oh, like oh the, sure. The stress you put on yourself to make it this perfect we've day. Thrown out, we've thrown out all of our old Christmas decorations, and this year we're starting fresh because we want live trees. This is all Joe. This is perfect. not me. Well, I'm just throwing that out I there. I want perfect colors. I just and, need to paint this yeah. picture. Jay is yeah. literally I'm in the corner with the checkbook rolling, rolling my eyes. <laughs> rolling his eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up with that. Well, and, and you're also them. like, yeah. it seems like you're into design and totally. you're, you know, you're, this is sort of what you yeah. envision. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, I could, yeah. the Norman Rockwell, right. you know, painting is what I'm going to have. You know, have it. <laughs> God damn it. have it. This kind of segues into, um, the, what Joe's talking about and kind of the monetary aspect of things is, is really, um, coming to light with our son who's black. He's always lived with black people with the exception of us. And he has built up in his head that all black people are poor and all white people are rich. And we've had to work really hard to say, no, 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 that's, that's a misunderstanding. Um, those who are doing better in life are those who went to get their education, who had the opportunities that you're going to have. And whether you're white or black or Hispanic or, or whatever your color, it's all about the will, the work you're putting, um, into it's all about the work you're willing to put in. We say to them, what does Britney Spears say? And they say, you want a Bugatti? You want a Maserati? You better work. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And I mean, they can recite that. Do you guys want to be my parents? Yeah. I mean, it's really can important for us to make me? sure that they have, you know, the idols that we had growing up and those yeah. role models like Madonna and I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's important. Um, well, so this the important is, ones. I mean, you guys Super are really winning in a lot of ways, but one of them is like that, the way that you're talking to them about that is like scientifically proven to be what motivates kids the most. Yes. So I like hope so. all yes. of the, so Jay, Jay and I went to the same um, high school with all these very talented, innately talented kids who I think have a lot of troubles. Um, but, but I think a lot of that stems from the fact that they've been told since they were born that they're very special and very talented and very gifted. And when you mess up or when you get a, a C or a D and you fail that first vocal performance or you, whatever, mm-hmm. and you get critiqued, you're like, wait a minute, but I'm, I'm talented. How could I not be the best? If you're telling your kids when they're growing up, if you work hard, the work will make you successful. Like it's not that you're born any one way. You're not born rich. You're not born poor. You're not born smart. You're not born dumb. You either work or you don't. And that's how you achieve. Absolutely. And that I think is tough because we talk about this all the time. Yeah. I'm the first one to be like, Hey, Iris, you are legit. The smartest, coolest, (laughs) prettiest, best. Like, but I'm like, I'm actively messing her up by doing that. Like like, I shouldn't be doing that all the time. Like we'll say that was so, you are so, wait, you you worked really hard. You worked so hard on that. You made it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important. It's important. And I think that's a great way to talk to your kids. Yeah. And especially coming from the, fact that they probably have not gotten that type of positive positive reinforcement i definitely don't lives. think so in fact i'm guilty of joe is really good about not 
overly babying them. Mm-hmm. I feel like because they spent the beginning of their life not being babied, I still will kind of rock them and you know, snuggle them more than probably most dads with seven-year-olds would, but it's almost like I'm trying to overcompensate for what they may be missed yeah. out on. I don't know whether that's good or bad, but it is what it is. So I want to ask you something, and then I want to go back to mm-hmm. raising a black child mm-hmm. and two sure. white parents. Um, but like, so from, from my experience with, with my child who has the hearing loss, we were told very early on mm-hmm. zero to three years, zero to three years. That's where your brain is forming. Those yeah. are the most critical. That's the critical window. If you don't get that speech going there, you know, like those were those pathways are formed. And so as new parents, we were like, okay, okay. We put her in speech therapy at five weeks old. Right. You know, I mean, we were like, okay. And we put her in school at six months old yeah. and you know, your children, like, are you seeing that there are wiring that there's some wiring there that you feel some like how do i reverse this yeah i will let me start by saying that yes i do see differences um and i'm going to use my um, sister and her children as an example to sort of like bounce them off against my sister's children have um, confidence that is just beaming from them. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're yeah. they're I four do. five. I have they're, one. Yes, they're four five and six years old, and the confidence levels they have are just insane. She was busy. I mean, yeah, she was. Yeah. Well, yeah, she Woo. was older. She was a late mom, so she decided to get, get the show on the road. Yeah. And and um, you know, it's just when I go home, I am just in awe of like you know. Yeah, let me go do that. I can go do that. You know, they can drive. You know, the six-year-old can drive a four-wheeler if he needs to. You know, they do live out in the country, so right. it, you know it doesn't. So make it's, sense legal there. There. it's legal there. <laughs> totally legal. But um, and then you know my kids, and they also you know they also just know what to go do. My children um, lack that confidence because they were not given that. Um, early on in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that if anyone's listening to this right now, they should know that like instilling confidence is, is a big key. I mean, it really is that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Jay and I have to do that Um, with Tyler. He had an incredible foster mom once he entered the foster program and Tyler was in foster care for two years, three years, three years, excuse me. How old was he when he originally entered the foster? Two and a half. Two and a half. And then we got him at five. Okay. Okay. So, um, he, you know, so his foster mom really did a great job with him. Um, but he did live in a home with a lot of other kids. So that localized attention wasn't, maybe Mm -hmm. wasn't there so much. Um, so with him, it's been a lot different story with JJ. JJ, um, we were his first foster parents. So he at was six at, at That's five. five for him. So okay. JJ He's was taken now. away, um, from his mother, um, and his two siblings and all three of them came to live with us. Wow. Um, and, um, that yeah, was we had in, four boys for then, a while. That Tyler was, came in the midst of that. I had to get a car with a third row. <laughs> yeah. We had four yeah. boys. Joe wouldn't give up his coupe. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, you need to get a bigger car. And I'm like, or less children. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, JJ came to live with us. And um, immediately, he was, you could just tell, he was way behind. Um, Emotionally. Emotionally. And and especially academically. academically. Um, And um, he... And we held him back in school um, to make sure that he was just... And he'd never experienced school. So, it was important to start him at kindergarten. Yeah. he went to school. He had a really hard time adjusting at school and even just the mode of like learning. He didn't want to do it at all. I mean, hands up in the air fits every single day. They did leave because they were going to be adopted. All three of them together, did, together the did goal leave to keep the brothers together mm-hmm. um, because they were going to be adopted. It did not work out. And ultimately JJ was split up from his two younger siblings. So you're talking about in an eighth month, eight month period, he's lost his mother, mm-hmm. his grandmother and his two siblings to mm-hmm. which he was a parent to. So he has lost everything under the sun 
in eight months. Ugh, Where are his siblings? Crime. Like, are you? They're are being t- happily to say they're being adopted That's by an good. amazing, amazing family. Couple. So, good. because this adoption with a three didn't work out, they basically said to the woman, "You know, I, you can't adopt any of them." Then, and so the two got to be adopted by a family that lives here in the Houston area. We still see them once a month. They've been very good to us. Good, um, and it's been nice too because this is their first foster experience. So we can kind of take them under our wing and say. This is totally normal. They're going to freak out every time that it's time to leave from a visitation. They're uh-huh. going to cry. It's just how it is. You'll get through it. Talk about the next time they're going to see each other. Right, right. Um, and so um, we had been, and I'm probably jumping around a little bit, but we um, ultimately when we found out that things were not working out for JJ because at this point he was bouncing around from foster home to foster home uh, because of his um, anger issues. Um, he wasn't. He was um, being uninvited back to schools because of his um, outbursts. Um, and it was all because he just wasn't being loved. Yeah. I need to be clear about that. I mean, I, right. I could care less if it offends people, That's you know, right. but it's yeah. all because he wasn't being loved and properly cared for. Jay and I started fighting to get him back. Um, because we had, we had, you know, we, we certainly had room to be, uh, the, the parent of another child. We did not have room to be parents of four children, unfortunately, yeah. right. um, nor were we approved to be parents of four children, um, because that's a, it's a lengthy process. It depends on how big your house is and all that okay. kind of great stuff. Okay? okay. So understand that. Um, so we started fighting to get him back. This is where things take a worse turn for the worst with CPS. Um, somewhere in the CPS, um, building, we had an enemy. Someone didn't like us. And we had to apply to get JJ back four times. Four times. Wow. Um, and, and each time, by the, yeah, no we were the only, applying. and this is the entire state of Texas I need to tell you about. We were the only couple to apply for JJ four times in the entire state of Texas, and they still would not give him to us. And it was because we were a white gay couple. Living in Texas, and unfortunately, this CPS, anyone involved in that decision-making process, if you have a bias towards that, um, that voice is heard. And by the way, we don't... We've heard this to the grapevine, and it's hearsay. It's it seems to be what's true, but I've never seen on paper that that's it. Right. But you have to think you've got a loving family who had a very successful foster experience with him applying four times, yeah. and oh, no one else's. What's what's going on here? And you thing. already had yeah. a foster, you ha- yeah. a successful yeah. foster, absolutely to adopt. Adoption. Yes, of yeah. course. <clears throat> it's, um, Texas. And it's Texas. At this yeah. point, we had fostered six children, and we had had no issues. So there, there was no red flag to mark our file that I know right. of. If right. you were a straight couple, yeah, it would have been first first go around. We, we, we listen. We still go to training yeah. seminars and with experienced foster parents because you have to go back and renew your training and you'll be sitting in a classroom and they'll say, tell your story and that we'll tell our story. We're like, Oh, it's been, you know, five, four years and we're adopting our second child. And then there will be a, a, a heterosexual couple sitting right next to us and say, um, this is our third class and we've already adopted four children. And we, so I mean, true. you're just like, Oh, okay, uh-huh, great. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh. Yes. And, and you try not to be bitter because obviously I have a life that I love now and I have two children right. I love, but you try not to be bitter about it, but you're just like, wait a minute. Why is this so much easier for you. Yeah. Bias is real. Yeah. Bias is real. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so um, ultimately, after um, turning the screws and putting the pressure on, we got JJ back, and it was quite honestly one of the happiest days of our lives. I mean, yeah. I remember the date. It was March twenty third. Um, I remember the the meeting. I remember everything. He didn't know that he was coming to us, and he thought he was being moved to another foster home. Oh. This is the part that gets me like up, like I guess emotional, but. Um, he didn't know where he was going, so he was very, very scared. And when he realized that he was pulling up to our house and he got out of the car, 
he just started crying oh. and then I started crying and uh, I'm crying again today because yeah. it's so much, but it just was a, uh, he's like my daddy. Yeah. He screamed oh. my daddy's and he just kind of fell into our arms and it was just, I just can't even describe the relief. I think both of us felt right. Cause right. we knew that he was back somewhere where yeah. he was going to be taken care of and loved. Yeah. And, um, you know, I will tell you, um, it only, it normally takes a foster child two full weeks to see their true colors and to start to get settled into uh-huh. a home. Two weeks, two, really? two, Yeah. yeah. Two, week, two full weeks. Two weeks, everybody's kind of toeing the line, yeah. feeling things out. But then two weeks, the anger and the pain of being separated from wherever they've yeah. been comes to the surface. Right. Uh-huh. Um, with JJ, it was seamless. He was back into the routine. Still lots of questions about, like, what's the future going to hold for me? Right. Um, to which we answered, you know, you're a part of the Bostic family now. You're a Bostic yeah. boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know. And you hit it, the jackpot. Yeah. And, well, and I have yeah. to tell you, you know, it, it, again, it was that expectation. You don't get the response you're wanting. You don't get the, oh, my gosh, yes. You get the, okay. Right. You know, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, here we are, um, six months later and he's just, it's like he never left. It's right, like, he's right. always been there, been a part of it. And, uh, he settled in nicely and he's doing really well. Um, he's made leaps and bounds academically this summer. So, and then, um, he came home from school the first day and we're like, how's your first day of school? And he goes, you know, I learned I can have fun at school. His words. Aww. And I went, okay, awesome. we're that's, good. That's great. We're that's good. Great. That's great. Yeah. So why these two kids, if I can ask, as opposed to, you said you've had quite a couple foster kids. Like, what what was it about these kids? Um, We would have adopted any of our children. So our first child went back to her biological father and his girlfriend. Our second child went to a distant aunt and uncle he had never, cousin, I can't quite remember, but that he had never met before. That was very hard and upsetting. And, And both those children left within a month of each other. Um, the three JJ and his two brothers went to a home to be adopted altogether because we just simply couldn't adopt, um, three. And we had just gotten Tyler at that time. So again, we had four boys in our house. It was chaos and two dogs and three goldfish. And I swear, um, Ugh, the goldfish takes so, uh, so, so much, much, so yeah. much changing that filter. Let me tell you. Yeah. So, um, so we were really content with just having Tyler and having one child, but we had heard through a CPS worker who actually wasn't even on this case, things are bad for JJ. He's not doing well and he's having a hard time and he's just not quite adjusting and he's being bounced around. And Joe and I just said, we have to do everything. We have mm-hmm. to to yell and shout and scream until someone will hear us. And yeah. we did say early on that if a foster child leaves our house, um, no matter what the circumstances, they will always be welcome back, uh-huh. um, no matter what. So if it means that we end up with 10 children, we end up with 10 children because we're not going to turn any of them away. Yeah. You know, you can't do that. Joe and I, right. even though we're almost done in this process, vacillate on keeping our license open and doing mm-hmm. the continuing ed every year because what if one of yeah. those kids mm-hmm. comes back in? Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And you never know, you know, and if they're going to need you and we want to make sure that we are there, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't have to be active taking other children, but we can still be on the list that way if they were to come back in the door. Yeah. Um, so when you had these other kids and Tyler too, mm-hmm. when, you know, when you first were settling in with it, they were going to school. So you're, you send them to school. I'm just don't I, like you get a kid. You, how long do you think that you have the kid for? It is the how, most overwhelming. I can't even 24 imagine. hours to 48 hours yeah. of your life. And Jay handled it much better than I did because I just sat there and like, you know, could, I was paralyzed with fear about what we were going to do with schools and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Overwhelming yourself. Jay handled it much better. I'm a taskmaster. So <laughs> I'm like, let's make a list. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you, you never know going in. It could be six days. It could be two years. Like one 
one of our children um, and you just start functioning like they are your child and they are going to be here indefinitely. So I'm going to give them every opportunity that I would give any other child that's going to be with me indefinitely. And you, you get them into school and you sign them up. You know, we both work till five, six ish. So you sign them up for aftercare. Uh-huh. Um, you know, CPS does have some other stipulations. They have to see a doctor and a dentist within five days. A lot of these children are not appropriately vaccinated. So you're playing catch up. Some of them have medical issues. Uh, one of our sons had to have surgery pretty early on for a, a sight defect he had. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, uh, and does the state pay for all that? They do. they do. So let me tell you one of the benefits of adopting and working with CPS, um, Texas, is amazing in my opinion in taking care of these children at least financially so as a foster parent you're given about $23 a day per child to cover basics mm-hmm. and to me that's plenty of money it equals out to um, I think like 690 bucks a month or right around there uh, but then their insurance is covered by Medicaid so as long as you can find a provider and a lot of providers will take Medicaid um, they're good to go. The other thing is that if you adopt a child which is considered quote unquote special needs, the state further incentivizes you. And let me explain what special needs is because special needs is maybe not what our listeners are thinking right. it is. Right. Um, special needs is uh, a Caucasian child over the age of six, a sibling group, so two or more children that are that are related to each other. And then a minority child over the age of two, even if they have no learning or uh, ability disabilities, that is still considered special needs because they're hard to place. They can't, they don't have enough homes adopting them. Right. So our boys will get free college tuition in the state of Texas if they attend public school. That's what Dennis told us. That's yeah. incredible. It, it is yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so no matter if we move out of state, so we could so move. They can, they can always back. come back to come Texas. Back. That's great. Their Medicaid insurance is provided until they're 18. Really? Yes. Wow. And then you do have this thing called subsidy negotiation, which they give you a monthly stipend to pay for therapies and other remediation techniques that children may need. So like our son Tyler is in speech therapy, the money we get each month, and it's smaller than when you're fostering, um, but that little bit covers the extra speech therapy we've put him into offset. So once you adopt, you still get all of these benefits. You do. do. That's That's if you're adopting a special needs child. And I'm not sure if Dennis told you this, but the um, tuition waiver in the state of Texas goes to their doctorate. So wow. it's not just undergrad. It's law wow. school. It's medical school. It's anything that they So want. be what you want to be. That's yeah. incredible. They I really, they really can. They with really Texas. Can. Yeah. They really can. And, you know, and Texas has great that. schools. So it's, yeah. you know, you live in a state with not only yeah. that benefit, but then it's, amazing colleges. Yeah. So. Very rare that I'm impressed with Texas. I know. I know. <laughs> I have to give a push, though, here and, and give a little stump speech. Um, I believe the statistics when we were going through training was that 80 per, 86% of children in state care were minority um, or that they couldn't find a family to to foster them, and I could be wrong on that statistic, but it was very it was very very high. And Joe and I had this concern about taking a non Caucasian child because we already stick out so much as it is being two men. Yeah. We thought everyone is going to look at us. Everyone is going to going to think and know right away that we're not a nuclear traditional family. And so. Um, our first child was Caucasian. Our second child, they told us was Caucasian. And then he showed up and he was actually Latino. So we were like, oh, okay. Well, and we had already committed at that point. Um, and then once we had him and we realized people are going to look, but at the end of the day, we love this kid just like we would love any other kid. We opened our home to all races. And it was a, it was a growing process for us. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, having black children, people do notice us. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. I think the funny thing is JJ the other day asked me, 
to stop sharing with people that he's adopted because he doesn't want people to know. Aww. And I was like, honey, baby, <laughs> the squirrels in the park. No, but uh, if you don't want me to tell anybody you're adopted, I'll go ahead and keep oh it my to myself. Gosh. Oh, that's so the sweetest thing. I so what heard. other, so, okay, let's talk about that. So yeah. he is black. Yes. Um, and you are not. And so before we started recording, you guys mm-hmm. were saying that he has started to to say stuff about that or mm-hmm. to notice yeah. it, that it's, it's, it's apparent to him now. Sure. Yeah. So how is that manifesting in your house? How does it manifest every day? So I should start by saying too, that, um, you know, I, I was the one who was really putting the brakes on a child of another color in our household. Um, and it was, um, it's been such a growing process for me. Um, and I, I I've learned that if I talk through these things, I, uh, own it, and it is me, and I am who I am. Um, and I certainly, um, you know, was raised in a very loving household and a very tolerant, open household. Um, but I think being a product of um, living in a town of a thousand people, um, I had some of my own prejudices sure. that I had to work through, and um, I maybe wasn't facing, unfortunately. Um, and so um, I began to face them, and it was like you do everything. You hit it head on. Yep. You don't think about it too much. Um, and I can tell you, within five minutes, all of that melted away. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had some concerns about our extended family and their acceptance of our child, but a child is a child. And what we found was that they ended up loving and em- eventually embracing them as though they're, they are our biological child. I mean, it, it doesn't feel any different the way that the grandkids or the nieces and nephews are all treated. Yeah. That's- I mean, it's been, it's been, um, certainly a learning process for, for all of us, but, um, I would, you know, I feel like, you know, being open and honest about it, I, I definitely had to jump over that hurdle. And I did it and, um, I couldn't be happier. I mean, you know, JJ is, he gravitates to me. We're like two peas in a pod. And mm-hmm. and do you feel like guilty now? Like that you had that bias or do you accept it and just kind of go, this is where I was. This is my truth. I will be yeah. honest with you. I'm very self-reflective, but one thing that I don't I can do, tell. <laughs> uh, one thing that I do not do is hold on to regrets or worry about my past too much because, um, I'm, I'm moving forward, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm looking forward. And we're um, all works in progress. Yep. And, yeah. and I don't, I don't really worry about like, you know, where I was and I try not to feel guilty about it because as with everything, it's like feeling guilty about a decision that you've made. You made it in the moment. You made it because you had to make it. You right. made it because you felt it was the way that you, or the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We look yeah. back now and we go, well, maybe that was kind of dumb. And that was, maybe that's me. I just look back and go, oh, that was really stupid. And, mm-hmm. and re- in reflection, looking forward it's like well i also i mean now you guys have adopted a foster kid i mean you're making a home for a kid that wouldn't otherwise if it, if there was two kids that missed out on that that's awful but mm-hmm. you've done it and mm-hmm. it's amazing and so yeah, yeah. you should S- give yourselves pats on thank you all yeah. of that's the very nice of you. Thank you. hood whatever yeah. that looks like Yes, the sainthood. The sainthood. <laughs> Do you see it glowing? Is, yeah, it's like it's looking for. I, mean, I don't know what that means, of... Jews over here, yeah. but that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, but, but that... I think our concern right now, to, to answer your question, our concern right now with JJ is um, he is really starting to notice the differences, yeah. um, and um, he doesn't care much about it. He really doesn't. Um, I think that, um, you know, he went to a predominantly um, African-American school before, and we showed up to pick him up every day, and he was very excited to see us and he could care less about what that meant about his life. Um, yeah, um, we've, we've made um, efforts to keep him connected to his community. So originally we put him in private school. We put him in a predominantly black school. 
Um, I do send him to an all or not send him. I go with him to an all black barber shop. So he's around positive black male influences. And then Stephanie, I went to high school with another Stephanie who's my year and her husband who's black was also adopted by a white family. So, and is just such a good guy. And I really, um, I need to make more an effort to connect them one-on-one, but we try to have them over to our home to see, look, Danilo is just like you. Mm-hmm. He has a white mommy and daddy, and he has a black mommy and daddy in Mozambique where he's from. So um, I think that's – we do all we can to make sure that he still feels connected to his culture. Yeah. And he sees his bro- his siblings. And he, he sees does. his siblings. Right, yes. yeah. It's This is so – like we're, we're dealing this right now with Iris for a different issue – um, because she wears her hearing aids and she started to comment on, I'm the only one who has them. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when she comments on it, she's not emotional about it. She no. is making an observation. Mm-hmm. Right. She's stating a fact. It feels mm-hmm. to me like somebody's ripping my heart out. Sure. Like I get emotional about it because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, there's a lot of feelings attached to that. I don't know if there are. Mm-hmm. I think for her, she's just like, what I noticed today is that I'm the only one in my class that has these. Yeah. And so I feel like with, as parents, what I have found is like, that's hard. It's hard for, it's harder for me mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. than totally. it is for her. Like we take so much on, I think, than the kids do. And right. the kids are like, well, this is it. And then I'm going to move yeah. on. And I'm still harboring, yeah. like yesterday at drop off, she like lost her mind and like had this huge tantrum and I carried it around all day. Like she hates the school. Yeah, she got over it's it all in two ruined. minutes. Within like, minutes she was, she was yeah, fine. She was fine. <laughs> and I carried it with me all day. So yeah. like mm-hmm. I feel like the pain like when our kids feel pain, that pain for us is like three times as much. Ten times as much. Yeah. I also yeah. overanalyze you should everything. Also tell the Starbucks story because I think that's very telling about what we're going through right now. Yeah. Um you know we do get a lot of stares, obviously, and people are like, are they uncles? Are they dads? Like, what's going on? And sometimes I want to give, or sometimes to my own fault, I've given a dirty look back, and then the person comes over, and they're like, your family is so beautiful. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I'm like a terrible person, right. because I assumed you were looking at me be- for a negative reason, and it was yes. actually positive. But um, so far, I-, I don't know if white people are scared to say something to us, but nobody has said anything to us in a negative way. We have had some black families say some negative things to us. Um, we got called faggots in the Target parking lot, uh, actually in the Heights, which you know is a very that progressive is, area. It's not what I expected. It was yeah. by a black family, and it it made my boys uncomfortable because they didn't know what that word was. And then we just had to explain it's not a nice word. And then they wanted to know well, why are they calling us not a nice word? Um, what but did you we, say? Um, well, Joe started to follow them, which I did not right. think was the greatest <laughs> idea. I told you and, it's the beast. You know, the beast yes. is like, you can mess with me, but not with my children. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, let's all go get Starbucks and popcorn at the Target. Yeah. Um, let's just get out of here. Yeah, so let's, let's don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, we were at Star- uh, another Starbucks the other day, and we just sat down at the common bar area across from a black family, and they were just staring us down to the point that I just said, hey, how you doing? And there was no response. And JJ tugged on my shirt and said, I feel uncomfortable. Can we move? And I said, you know what? Let's just get our drinks to go. and We can talk in the car. And in the car, I said, why'd you feel uncomfortable? And he said, well, they just kept looking at us. I don't know why they're looking at us. And I said, well, what do, why do you think they're looking at us? And he goes, I think they're looking at us because I'm black and you're white. And they know that we're not really supposed to be together. And I said, well, we can be together if we want to be together. And so we kind of talked through it. And he says, I just don't see myself ever marrying a black person. 
And then I almost felt like this failure, like, am I not connecting? Am I, are these right. efforts, am I not doing enough? Do I need to be doing more? And I don't know what the answer is to that, but I'm just hoping as he grows and he matures that he'll just see people for people. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to say as a gay person, and this is a, a, a more difficult life in my opinion, in my experience, I, I've never been heterosexual, so I don't know, but I always say to my kids, well, one day when you get married to a boy or a girl, whatever it may be, and now I've started saying, when you get married to a person, black, white, boy, girl, Hispanic, whoever (laughs) they are. The list will just start adding. um, You know, X, Y, and Z. And so it's been a challenge. I I hope we're doing a good job. I don't know. There's so many layers. There's so many layers. layers. I mean, it's exhausting to like sort of, so it's day by day. Of course, like every parent out there in the world, I mean, you've got your own challenges. No doubt. Everyone has their battles. They're fighting. I'm going to tell you, it is day by day. But then you still have to deal with like the kid, Bullshit. Yeah, and then the, <laughs> you know, oh, yes. like oh yeah, just the normal kids stuff. Horrible right. people. Right. You know, um, what's interesting is that I feel that CPS is very big on labels. So everybody needs to go into a box. This child is normal functioning. This mm-hmm. child is below functioning. This one is emotionally disturbed. And maybe I live in some la-la land, but Joe and I have been willing to take in any child, whether any type of abuse. Was it neglect? Was it physical abuse? Was it sexual abuse? Um pretty much any type of learning disability. We're not licensed. CPS doesn't license you to do um, severely health-related issues. So I I don't have a child that's, you know, on a breathing machine or anything like that. But um, maybe this is naivety, but I feel like love will kind of get you through anything. And it's been our experience that all these labels that my kids had have fallen away every year. Oh, my gosh. And the diagnoses that they once had don't exist anymore. So my child that was ADHD is not ADHD. Well, some of them never did exist. It was more. Or yes, exactly. But, but, and maybe this is me like believing in unicorns and rainbows and whatever, but I just (laughs) felt to Joe, if we give them stability and every day, I'm like, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm not leaving you. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. That all these other things would kind of remediate themselves. And they have. Yeah. It's been every we whenever we're foster parents and people find that out, we hear usually, um, the story of how, their family has just, you know, thought about fostering and what that would look like, but they're scared they're going to get a, air quotes, bad kid. I, I'm, I'm that person. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, and, and the fear is real because yeah. I had the same fear. So, I mean, the fear is absolutely real because I think you hear horror stories. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that in my experience and every other foster family that I have been around, which is a lot um, I haven't, I, they're, they're not bad kids. I promise they're not. Yes. They may have bad behaviors that need to be changed, but you have to remember They have never been loved. They have yeah. never been hugged. They have never been given the stability that they need to, to, to overcome life's obstacles. Um, and if, if you can do that, fostering is hard, it'll be fun, but yeah. it's not hard because of the children. It's hard because you're dealing with social workers, attorneys, right. and judges that do this all day, every day, and they've become apathetic. Yeah. So when you try to say, no, my kid is special though. My kid needs X, Y, and Z, or we shouldn't do this. At the end of the, I don't want to say that they don't care, but they've heard it all before. Right. They're not fighting the way that you're fighting. Well, and like when, when Dennis was here, it's interesting to have you guys on after him because his perception of foster families mm-hmm. because his child who he adopted mm-hmm. was so abused yeah and in the treated, by the yeah. foster in parents the foster, mm-hmm. by the foster parents mm-hmm. a lot of them who would take the money and feed them like chicken and rice yes. all day long like yeah. this is what he said you know it's like th- this version of the foster family is what i have in my head mm-hmm. like you know like my motives would be what yeah. yours are yes 
Um, but it's so sad to think about, I don't know if it's majority or minority, what they're like or who the people are that are doing it for money. Yeah. But I wonder if these judges and these lawyers, and all, you know, they're used to dealing with people who might not have pure intentions. Yeah. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, and it's important to say this. Um, kids in foster care that are put onto um, any kind of medication, daily medication. So let's say they're ADHD or there's just some other reason that they need to be put on a daily medication. Um, the state pays more for that. And it's almost that's like an incentive. If you are doing it it's for the an, money, it's, it's, you're it's, incentivized. Yeah. I wish it would go away because you know you need to be taking the child because you want to foster the child, not right. because you're getting extra money for that. Sure. Um, I don't. Um, I don't like that because I think ADHD is too easy of a diagnosis yeah. these days, and I'm sure we probably you know just you know you're handing out candy basically. It's yeah. like yeah. here you go, um, and and you, you're getting something like three to fifty to four hundred dollars more a month. Wow. Um, to is it that much? I think it is that much. I think um, to like to handle this. And I'm, you know, if you're fostering four children, do the math. Right. I mean, that's like a full-time job. It's like a full-time job. So I don't, I just don't really, I don't really care for that incentive. I wish it was gone so that we were not doing that. But Jay and I have dealt with the other side of foster families too. Like we've the dark side, you know, we, we have a few of those in our, in our life and in our past that our kids have come from, our kids have come from. And I will tell you, it's very hard as a, as a very protective parent, to have any sort of contact with them now. Right. Um, and there is some contact out there and it's very hard to even stand near them because you, you are just, you're a monster. You're yeah. a monster to yeah. me and I can't deal with you. And I'm sure that it, it, we've dealt with it yeah. now. Granted, you know, our circle is very tight of foster families. Um, and we, we tend to associate with people that we feel do a great job. Um, so we don't see that every day, mm-hmm. but we know it's out there for sure. I mean, and that's why I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. CPS has changed their policies in mm-hmm. the past two years and it's because of those negligent foster families. Yeah. You know, Stephanie, I do, uh, lucky for me, I guess, I do have such a different perspective than Dennis in that regard because for every bad foster parent family that we know of, I know 10 amazing ones. And the 10 amazing are my norm. Um, And so, you know, we kind of all get together as foster parents and we share our tips and advice and our war stories. Um, And we're all so shocked that there are people that do make a living doing this and not for pure intentions. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's like the the bat, the squeaky wheel, you know? Absolutely. And they're making a really terrible impact on Exactly. I mean, if if a kid is unlucky enough to get into one of those houses... That's going to do some serious damage. Okay, I want to ask you one more one more question. Probably going to be a couple more, but um, the biological parents of yeah. your children uh-huh. um, are your children in touch with them? Do you have any relationship with them? Uh, can I take that one? Is that complicated? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Tyler, when his parental rights were terminated. Um, he was still in foster care, so we have never met them. I don't know them. I know who they are. I've, I've obviously been given his file. When you are when you adopt a child, you get thousands of pages in files, which is usually actually about the parents and why they're trying to terminate rights on the parents. There's, there's not a ton about the kid, or at least that's been our experience in our two adoptions. But um, Tyler's parents, I have no idea who they are. I know where they are, and I know their name, but I've never met them face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, with JJ, we had fostered him before. So I had met his parents several times and had gone to visitations to take him. And, and the parents were always, uh, parents are usually not very nice to us. They don't like us. There's not this level of appreciation. It's more like you took my child. Um, JJ's parents have been wonderful to us and we, 
Uh, Does that make it more complicated? Yes, because I was rooting for them. And I cannot believe that in retrospect, I can say that I was rooting for them, but I, I wanted, because I liked them, I wanted to see them do well. And, yeah. and they and you wanted it for JJ. Yeah, sure. You, know, you wanted it for him. You wanted it, I mean. He, he wanted his parents and I wanted to see yes. them do well. He right. left his, you have to remember, he left his house when he knew his mother. Right. And um, yeah, he was five. So he has He was five. He knew her. Oh, we yeah. still talk about her weekly. We, and yeah. so yeah. I had not talked to her in probably a year and had no idea that she was on Facebook. And she messaged me and said, um, in a really weak moment, would you mind sharing some pictures with me? And oh. I called CPS and I said, look, I'm getting this message. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And they said, ultimately, this is your decision. If you want to share some pictures, share some. So I said, look, I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to give you 10 pictures if you'll give me 10 baby pictures, something I don't have for my children, mm-hmm. either one. Oh, that's and such a we, good deal. We did a trade for trade. And so every once in a while, every few months, she reaches out to me during the hurricane. She reached out and said, are you guys okay? And I, you know, respond back and say, yeah, I'm fine. But she can't, you know, my profile's locked down. She can't really see anything. Right, I just right. got like a wave of yeah. emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't know, as a mother, mm-hmm. it's like to even think mm-hmm. about being in that position. No. It's, yeah. Oh, my it's, God. We, just, like, and you feel it for her. We yeah, do. We I know. Yeah. But we know how hard it is because you hear it in her voice. You know, but is that you know, like, do y'all worry? Like, I mean, once you yeah. adopt him, he's yours, but is it like a sense of terrified? Yeah. I mean, like, right? Terrified because this is what he says to us. When I grow up, I'm going to make so much money that I can find my mommy and buy her a house. Oh, right. my God. Right. And I say, well, Daddy Joe and Daddy Jay need a house. Are you <laughs> going to make some money for us? I mean, here's the thing. Jay said it best a long time ago, and, and, and I own it. I will never be his mother. Okay? We always say that to never, our other children's parents when we meet them. I will never take her place, yeah. no matter how hard I try. So I hope, mm-hmm. I hope for him that when he is 18, and he, if he still wants to find her, because there's a lot of learning and growing between 7 and 18. Sure. Okay? Sure. And a lot of world actualizations that are going to, you know, um, that if he wants to find her, that she is still around. Um, and that she's easy to find and, and that she's he can doing cult- well and she's doing well and he can cultivate a relationship with her yeah. because I think as a, just for a healing, it's enclosure. It's important to do that. And she can say in her own words, what happened? Yeah. Um, f- you know, for me, um, uh, I've, I've, I just, I've accepted the fact that this is going to happen and me, me too. I, um, don't, I wouldn't say that I encourage it right now because I don't want him worrying about that right now. Yeah. He has other, yeah. but we priorities. will encourage it one day, but like we will himself, encourage it one yeah. day. He needs to yes. worry about we got other things we got to worry about right now and we never shut the conversation down. Um, but he, we always, does he ask questions all, like uh, all the time. <laughs> why am I not with my mom? No, or, he knows. I mean, he, he knows what the issue is. He remembers what the issue he, is. He, and why he, he was, witnessed a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. So, so he, he knows and, and, He's very apt to it. Um, they're starting to talk less about it. Tyler never talks about it because he just doesn't really recall them. Mm-hmm. He was so young. He was so, so young. So he never, I mean, if JJ asks a question every once in a while, I'll say, well, do you know about my dad or what was my dad's name again? Um, but JJ, yeah, he, he asked, he just, you know, more statements. I'm thinking about my mom today. I'm feeling sad because I miss my mom. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I draw a picture from my mom? Oh. Could you get this to her? I yeah. said, yeah, I'll work to get it to her. <laughs> oh yeah. Gosh. But, you know, I have to be honest. Um, but from a parenting perspective, because this is, you know, all about parenting, um, we do redirect right now. We right. try to find something else to talk about because it does just make him sad. And he goes down this rabbit hole that he doesn't come back from. And he has to take a nap. And then you have to wake up and he has to get cheery again. So we try yeah. to redirect right now. He's yeah. just not emotionally able to cope 
cope with all of this right now. So we just try to find something else for him to do or be focused on. Um, you know, if in fact we're having a meltdown as they all happen yeah. and mom is the center of the meltdown, then we have to ride the wave. I mean, there is no redirecting when it's happening like that. You just have to ride the wave and just let him be sad. I mean, um, my kid has been in our household from the get and uh, she is not emotionally stable. I will tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> None of them. Tantrums. I, yeah. so we I mean, are the fact that we're talking mom. about children being <laughs> emotionally stable is yeah, just funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like legitimately, Mike and I are like, what has happened to her? Like the, these meltdowns have become so epic the that demon. I'm the, the demon, de- the demon. Mm-hmm. like yesterday she got home from school she she was like I want to put a dress on okay fine go pick out a dress she mm-hmm. goes pick out a dress the strap wasn't doing what she wanted mm-hmm. I kicking screaming mm-hmm. 30 minutes on the ground I'm like why yeah. take the damn thing off like I'm I literally finally got it off of her I'm burning it I'm burning it <laughs> I mean That's here's when the we thing start hiding we've been things. there here's yeah. the thing people all the time say you know what are you doing in this situation what are you doing in this situation and I'm just gonna tell you we're just trying not to raise assholes okay right. yeah, you know what I mean like we're just trying to raise good children That's and it. I can't tell you that I've got some major philosophy that I follow here yeah. it is moment to moment how not to be an ass you That's know right. what I mean like how to be a good person so yeah, yeah. That's I right. think that's key. I mean, that's key to parenting, or <laughs> hopefully it is. And just like you said, riding that wave. Yeah. Riding yeah. that wave. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. This story is great. This and has been so insightful. Yeah. And like yeah. emotional yeah. and very honest. And you guys are just yeah. like, I'm just selfishly very excited that yeah. our kids are going to the same school and now we're best friends. It's, it's going to be super fun. I <laughs> this mean, is what I'm really most excited about. I'm making it about me. We are as well. <laughs> no. Thank you for having no. us today. Yeah. No, thank you for it's coming on fun. and taking the time and sharing your story. It's been, yeah, it's been great. Uh, we've been on this foster. I don't know. I mean, we've been talking about it in my house so many for so long and yeah. like, it just keeps like, I keep meeting people and you know, yeah. once you open that box, you're like, the commitment's you hard. Do it. it really I, is because it, it is a, hard. It is. I mean, you're talking about six months of committing just to taking classes. And, and I don't say that to scare people because no. it shouldn't. Um, it is minimal time. But then, you know, there's home studies, which are very invasive. Um, and you're talking about, you know, being honest here. On a, you know, you have to be very yeah. honest there. So, um, and these people pick up on everything. You know, yeah. I mean, they're observers. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then you have a, that done and then you have to get approved. And It's a process. Um, it's a process. Like, you totally. guys are in a good place with it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I like that, we're, that you're kind of saying, like, Yes, it's great, but let's not sugarcoat and not talk about how hard it is. Like, it's also very hard, and it's this huge, long process, um, which... You know, but it's I, like it's it's harder for adoptive and foster parents than it yeah. is for biological. I didn't have I didn't have I took one class at a hospital. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thirty minutes. I do want to say to our listeners, it really doesn't matter your financial position though, because you are compensated. Any child can live off seven hundred dollars uh, a month, mm-hmm. and then again, all of the and it's not a factor in determining whether or not you're going to actually be approved. They can no. tell us about your. Financial so it's status. more just do you have the wherewithal to survive the ups and downs of okay, mom's getting it together. They're going to be reunited oh no mom can't quite get it together okay we're looking at an adoptive home oh no we're not looking yeah. i mean you just a lot of roller coaster yeah every week is a new scenario so yeah and is there like is there a i don't know how to phrase a sentence but like when you become a foster parent mm-hmm. are they like if you want to adopt great mm-hmm. are they or, or does that a different set of no it's the same so joe and i started a sorry joe i keep okay. jumping in here i'll say this in the marriage talk, yeah. marriage marriage it is um so we started as an adoptive only home we didn't feel like we had the wherewithal to go through these ups and downs that we were hearing about um and we had an amazing social worker named paula for uh, almost this whole time she just got a promotion so she's not our social worker anymore but you know, she was the one who said, let's start with maybe 
just Caucasian children for your level of comfort. She guided us on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as she saw us do well, you know, helped us open the door to more opportunities. But we started just adoptive and we were getting no placements. Nobody wanted to match with us. And this was before marriage equality. So mm-hmm. social workers could flat out say, I'm not comfortable working with a gay couple. I'm not comfortable putting one of my children that I'm supervising into a gay home. Mm-hmm. And they would just be very honest about it. So we went a year with nothing. And then Paula said to us, you guys need a foster. And what happens is when they terminate rights, if you want to adopt you're first in line, because the child has done well with you right. rather than moving them to a whole new situation. So we did that. And unfortunately it was five children more before we were able to adopt, but eventually we were yeah. not there. Yeah. And foster, you know, the, the foster case, the caseworkers are great because they're experienced. And whenever you walk into the first time meeting, you're, you know, they ask you who you are and what you want. And your answer is we're here to adopt. Yeah. And, and they go, okay, great. And they keep moving. Um, and they know in six months, you're going to say, we're, you know, foster to adopt, right. which means you're taking kind of legal risk children. And then, then, you know, a year later you're saying, we're foster family, you know, because, you know, anyone who goes in there wanting to start a family, yeah, you have to open it. You have to just let, let the doors be open and right. let what comes to you come to you because right. the more that you narrow that search, the harder, the harder it's it going to be for right. you. So. But Joe, will you tell the story real quick? Cause I know we're running out of time, but will you tell the story real quick about how we were chosen for Tyler or how Tyler chose us? Yeah, Cause I think this is important. So we had been trying here in the city limits of Houston to get a kid forever and we had no family choosing us. And we finished up, we, we, when they're choosing a uh, family, they have this straight thing adoption. Called, yeah, they have this thing called a RAS. Okay. So they've put this kid's um, picture out over, all over the state of Texas and it's like anybody who wants to apply for the child can, and they usually get, you know, you know, 25 to 30 applications. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sad to say that if it is a Caucasian child, even double that, um, they get all over the, um, and so we had been chosen for a RAS. We had been chosen for a child here. Um, and, um, ultimately she never came to us, um, because they found a family member for her to go to at the last minute. So you have to understand on the totem pole of, of getting a child, if you are a non-relative, you are at the very, very bottom. Right. Okay. So um, that's before anybody. Kinship, um, what do they call the relatives? I'm not friends that are close. Some, some friend of the some family, family word. You know, they, you know, friend of families. Go come before, kin. Yes. They're, they're before you, everybody. Okay. So we were having no luck and, um, we get a call one day that there is this kid available, um, in, uh, San Augustine, Texas, which is near Lufkin. Um, and tiny town of like 1100 people. Would you be interested in applying? We do. We're selected for the RAS. It's ourself and one other family. And this tiny little town chose us to be his dad's because Tyler was being asked by his caseworker, what do you want in your family? And he, he said, I want Captain America and Iron Man. Oh. And he asked for two dads. He asked for two dads <laughs> after that. And he said, so you want two dads? He goes, I want two dads. Oh and so, my gosh. Um, he ended up, you know, and so I said, Jay, here we are in this, you know, progressive blue tiny city of Houston in the middle of trying nowhere, to get kids Texas. and we can't. And then this tiny little town out here in the middle of Texas. And they listened to him. They, they said, you mean you need a, you want a mommy and daddy? He said, no, I want you to find me two daddies. <gasps> That's crazy. Isn't that weird? Dang, that's amazing. Greatest story I've ever and heard. And then we met him and he threw up all over us. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so you like were like, so parenthood. So you were like, parenthood, oh, we're your parents. I mean, just right out the gate. Parenthood, yeah. Like indoctrinated immediately. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, I love it. What well, a great story. you guys Thank are. Thank you for sharing that. Iron Man and Captain America. Yeah, you guys really are. Thank you. Oh, you're yeah. so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Doing you the best we can. We're amazing. Like any parent. Yeah. We're all just hanging in there, guys. We're all going to survive it together. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So thanks. thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. And thanks for sharing. And if you have stories that you want to share, or maybe some questions, if our listeners have any questions, um, you can email us hands off parents at Gmail or find us on the Facebooks. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We need your love. Okay. <laughs> that's what, that's what Jay said. He said, all you need is love and yes. we need yours. So we'll see you guys on the Thank internet. Thank you. Bye. You can follow hands off parents on Twitter hands off parents or you can always send us an email at hands off parents at gmail.com or if you look on facebook if you're into that thing you can find us there as well hands off parents is steph and abby um, mail camp <laughs>